Good morning. Welcome. We are slowly regaining, you know, what we lost here uh, with uh, numbers and comfort levels and all those things. So you, those of you who are here in the auditorium, thanks for being here. Those of you who are joining us online, thanks for being with us today. Glad that we're all together. We are uh, spending several weeks looking at this 242 focus that we are talking quite a bit about here at Bay Area, kind of reminding ourselves of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, talking about those very first followers of Jesus who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If you remember last week, I I talked about a specific apostle's specific teaching and a prayer that he prayed, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, where he prayed that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that we may know God better. I want to pick up and continue talking for the next several weeks, really, about this idea of being devoted to prayer. You might find this interesting. Depending on the context and how you decide, the, some, of, some of it's a little bit ambiguous, but there are 650 prayers in Scripture. Jesus is recorded praying 25 different times in the Gospels. The Apostle Paul, in his writing, either prayed, referenced prayer, or taught about prayer 41 times. Every single book in the New Testament, all 27 books, either contain a prayer, a reference to prayer, or a teaching about prayer. That spiritual discipline that we know of as prayer is incredibly important when you read through the Bible, especially the New Testament, especially the life of Jesus. One of the greatest gifts that we have as Christians is the ability and the honor to have a conversation with God and also to experience God in prayer. So one day, Jesus is praying, and his disciples are watching him pray. And this wasn't the first time they'd watched him pray. It wasn't the first time they'd heard Jesus pray. But for some reason, on this particular occasion, one of them, or maybe a few of them, asked Jesus a question. They made a request of Jesus. And I've got a feeling it's probably a question that they had wanted to ask him for quite some time, But for whatever reasons, on this particular day, they get around to asking Jesus the question, and their request is, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us to pray? Because after watching Jesus pray, they had come to the conclusion that they'd been doing it wrong. Even though these were men who had been praying their entire lives, but they see Jesus pray. And they listen to the prayers that Jesus offered. And they realize, we need you to teach us to do what we've done all our lives. We need you to teach us to do what we thought we knew how to do, but we watch you do what we do, and we're not doing it the way you do it. So, would you do us a favor, and would you teach us how to pray? It's interesting, for whatever reasons, Jesus waited until he was asked before he taught his disciples how to pray. And in keeping with Jesus' kind of M.O., true Jesus fashion, they ask him, would you teach us to pray? And his first thing is, okay, I'm going to teach you how not to pray. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
Okay, first, let me tell you how not to pray. In fact, let me tell you, if you're praying this way, you're probably doing it wrong. I'm going to guess that no one's ever asked you to teach them to pray. In fact, I'm going to guess that probably you can't remember someone sitting you down and teaching you how to pray. Maybe if you remember, you know, real young, maybe a parent kind of helped you through that. But if someone today were to come to you and say, you know what, I need to teach you how to pray, you would probably feel a little bit offended by that. If someone said, you know, I heard you pray before that meal, and yeah, I don't think you're doing it right. That'd be a little bit offensive, wouldn't it? Or, I heard you pray in church, and I, I need to pull you aside because, yeah, that wasn't right. You know, we would be a little bit offended by that. And yet, we're going to see in just a minute, Jesus is going to teach his disciples how to pray, and what he says to them and to us might be a little bit offensive. Because maybe some of us have been doing it wrong. Because let's face it, most of the prayers we pray don't get answered anyway, do they? That's what people say. You know, most of the prayers we pray, they, they don't get answered. Except, of course, those prayers that they're going to happen anyway, whether you pray about it or not. You know, I pray that I find my car keys. It turns out they're exactly where I last put them. You know, I prayed about getting that parking space, space and yes, I got the parking place, but so did 20 other drivers who didn't pray about it. Yes, my team did win yesterday, but the truth is they had more talent than... They should have won, and when they play someone who has more talent than they do, they, they usually lose. But when you talk about those big prayers, when you talk about those prayers that really matter, those prayers where I need a miracle, I need God to step in and do something, and I know if God doesn't step in and do something, this is not going to happen. When we talk about those kinds of prayers, most people will tell you, yes, sometimes we get a yes on that, but most of the time what you get is... Silence. Most of the time, those really big prayers, most of the time, what you get is nothing. And after a series of nothings, you might start to think that there's really nothing to prayer. And we start to wonder, why do we even pray? And what we're about to discover is you're right. Those kinds of prayers that we usually pray, God, God usually doesn't answer those kinds of prayers. Not in the way we think they should be answered, at least. And yet, in spite of that, and maybe because of that, but in spite of that, Jesus prayed all the time. And Jesus told his disciples to pray all the time. And he prayed differently than everyone else. Again, this was a culture where everyone prayed, but they didn't pray like Jesus. Jesus was passionate about his prayer life. He was intense in prayer. He was focused. His prayers weren't scripted. They weren't just some uh, rote thing that he memorized. He was just different when he prayed. So the disciples asked him, would you teach us to pray like you pray? Because we've been praying for a long time, but we don't pray like that. To which I would think Jesus probably smiled and thought to himself, 
I thought you'd never ask. And again, in typical Jesus fashion, he's going to start by telling them how not to pray. He says, in fact, if you pray like this, you're doing it wrong. My son Will and I have this long-running joke that we've shared with each other for years, and it it sprung from a, a day when we were watching Alabama football on television. Will is a big Alabama football fan, thanks to his mother, but we're watching the, the game one day years ago, and they did this little piece on a strength and conditioning coach that Alabama had, and this guy was just over-the-top intense. I mean, he was, like, like so passionate. It was like this motivator on steroids, literally, I'm sure. But they did this little clip of him in the weight room, and he's, he's trying to motivate the players, you know, as they're working out. And he'd get in the face of some player, and he says... If it feels good, you're doing it wrong. And then he'd run over to some other player and he'd yell, If it feels good, you're doing it wrong. So Will and I, every time we found ourselves in some little job that we hated or some task that we didn't want to do, one of us invariably looks at the other and says, If it feels good, we're doing it wrong. And that's how Jesus starts his his lesson here on prayer. His disciples say, teach us how to pray. And immediately, instead of saying, pray like this, Jesus says, if you do it this way, you're doing it wrong. Here's how Jesus begins his lesson on, on how, to, how, to, how to pray by explaining how not to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, and when you pray, again, here's the you're not doing it right part. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now, this is a part of Jesus that you've got to love. Something about Jesus that you've really got to admire, even if you're not a Jesus person. Even if you're not exactly, you know, a church guy. If you're not exactly a spiritual woman. You've got to love this about Jesus. Because Jesus has absolutely no tolerance for hypocrites. He doesn't have any patience for hypocrites, for people who claim to be better than everybody else. Jesus has no time for those people who look down their nose at everyone else. And of course, the reason why Jesus doesn't have any uh, patience for those kind of people is because he knows their heart. He knows their true motives. He knows who they really were. So he goes on to say, I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. In other words, their reward is not going to come from God. God is not moved by, God is not impressed with these perfectly scripted public prayers that everyone else seems to be so impressed by. They got their reward, but it's not from God. Jesus says their reward is the attention that they get from other people. They're seen by men. That's their reward. Then he goes on. But when you pray, when you pray, which brings up some questions. When do you pray? How do you pray? And we're going to see that where you pray seems to matter to Jesus as well. And I think these were probably the questions that Jesus really wanted answered. And I think the disciples probably understood that the way Jesus was going to answer these questions 
was going to be pretty different from the way they answered these questions. Because as it turns out, it didn't seem like God was answering their prayers either. Or the prayers of their parents. Or for that matter, the prayers of their grandparents. These men who come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, they were very well aware of the fact that they are living in the shadow of Rome. Rome is in control. Rome is in charge. And before Rome, it was the Greeks, and it was the Persians, and it was the Assyrians. It was the Babylonians. It was the Egyptians. I mean, these men knew this tragic past of God's people, and they knew the reality of their present. No, so if God is really moved by our prayers, if God really cares about His people and our prayers really make a difference, why aren't things any better? Why is Rome still in charge? So maybe they were right. Maybe they were doing it wrong. And of course, the religious leaders had a different take on the whole thing. The religious leaders would say, oh, God answers prayer... He just doesn't answer your prayer. And the reason why God doesn't answer your prayer is because you're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not good enough. That's why God's not answering your prayer the way you think he should be answering your prayer. Do you ever have anybody tell you that? God's not answering your prayer because you're not good enough. He's never going to answer your prayer because the way you live in your life, all the things you've done. So, if you want God to answer your prayer, you're going to have to do better. Now, stop sinning. Do better. Stop sinning. And that becomes the message. Do better. Stop sinning. And pretty soon, God's like this giant ATM machine, and we're down here scrambling around trying to figure out the PIN number so that we can get God to give us all the things that we want God to give us. At the same time, you look around and you see people you know don't ever pray. They seem to be doing pretty well. In fact, you see people who never pray and, and their life seems to be a lot better than the life that you're living. So what's the use of praying? Let's go back to verse 6. When you pray, am I on the right one here? Oh, I was. When you pray, go into your room. When you pray, go into your room. You know, if I were to suggest to you that, you know, you shouldn't be praying in traffic on Monday morning, or when you walk your dog in the evening, or when you're at public shopping, you'd probably say, well, who are you to tell me when to pray and where to pray? And there's a lot to be said about prayer. But what I want you to do, I'm really going to challenge you. I want you to listen to what Jesus is saying here. Don't listen to me, okay? I'm trying to step aside here. Don't listen to me. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus has been asked, would you teach us to pray? And he's in the process of doing that. And if Jesus is going to teach us about something as important as prayer, we ought to pay very close attention to what Jesus has to say. Maybe just like that audience, maybe we've been missing something as well. When you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Wait, what? Close the door. Why? 
You mean not at church? Not around the dinner table? Not in traffic? Why is that necessary? I thought we could pray anytime, anywhere, about anything. Jesus is going to tell us why it is so important to find a time and a place where we can isolate ourselves from all the distractions that are going on around us. Now, I asked the question just a minute ago, where do you pray? When do you pray? Jesus says, that's important. He's about to explain why. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. This is really important. This is really big. Again, don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. He's trying to explain why is it so significant uh, about praying to a, a God who is unseen. Jesus tells us, I want you to pray to God. Don't pray to me. We don't pray to Jesus. We don't pray to his mother. We don't pray to the saints. We don't pray to the apostles. We pray to God. And then Jesus gets even more specific and he makes this whole thing relational. And he said, I want you to pray to your Father who is unseen. Pray to your Father. Jesus says, I want you to find a place where you can have a very quiet, very focused, very intimate conversation with your heavenly Father. I want you to be able to say what needs to be said. I want you to be able to feel what needs to be felt. I want you to be able to experience what needs to be experienced. I want you to be able to hear what you need to hear. I want you to to pray in private. I don't want you to be distracted when you pray. Then, then, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We've heard that verse all our life. We, We kind of brush right past it. But I want you to stop and think what Jesus just promised. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's that word we keep searching for. Reward. The prayer that you pray in secret, God says that prayer is going to be rewarded. Now, remember I talked about those religious people who were praying to be seen by men. You remember what their reward was? They were seen by men. When we pray in private, what is our reward? Our reward is we are seen by the Father. Jesus promises that's the reward. When you pray in private, your heavenly Father will see you. You think about the gravity of that reality. What would you do if you knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when you prayed, God saw you? If you knew with complete certainty that when you prayed, God heard you, how would you pray? What would you pray about? 
God sees you when you pray. He hears every single word. That's what Jesus is saying. So the disciples come and say, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, don't do this. If you do this, you're doing it wrong. Do this. Go into a room, close the door, pray to your father. And then he comes back to another, don't do this. There's something else that if you do this, you're you're still doing it wrong. Um, When you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. It says, when you pray, don't just keep babbling. It's a good word. We don't use that word too much anymore. I don't know how, much of you, how many of you are babblers. But um, you know, we don't use the word babble very often. I like the way Eugene Peterson words it in the message. He says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs. Peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. Jesus says repetition doesn't impress God. It just doesn't. Length and style, that doesn't impress God. Trying to come up with the perfect words, the perfect phrases, that doesn't impress God. In fact, in another place in Scripture, Jesus is going to craft an entire story around that very point. Jesus is going to tell a parable sort of aimed at those professional prayers uh, that he talks about, people who kind of felt great about their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. And and here's what he says in the parable. It's in Luke chapter 18. He talks about a Pharisee and a tax collector one day going to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee's prayer is very loud. It's very eloquent. It's very impressive. It was basically about himself. He was explaining to God just how good he was, and he was telling God how lucky God was to have him on his team. The tax collector's prayer was was very different. In fact, when Jesus told this story and said a Pharisee and a tax collector went to the temple to pray, the people listening to Jesus would have automatically assumed, well, God's not going to hear that guy's prayer. I mean, he can go to the temple and he can pray, but he's a tax collector. God's not going to hear that prayer. God is not going to listen to the prayer of a tax collector. He's going to ignore that prayer. But of course, Jesus says, the tax collector stood at a distance. He stood at a distance. He stood up against the wall. He stood as far away as he could get from the Holy of Holies. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Not exactly an Academy Award-winning prayer, is it? It's just seven words. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In the parable, Jesus said, that's the guy who got it right. That's the one who God saw. That's the one who God heard. That's the one who God rewarded. And the people listening to that parable were like, wait a minute, God be merciful to me, a sinner? Is that even a prayer? And Jesus would say, well, that's a prayer, all right. In fact, that is a great prayer. Jesus said it was the tax collector who went home justified that day. Now, if you ever struggle with what to say when you pray, the words to use, that parable it should be very comforting to you. Because Jesus is making it really clear that the words of your mouth 
aren't nearly as important as the whisper of your heart. That God hears your heart. And then Jesus goes on to say, whoever exalts himself is going to be humbled. And whoever humbles himself, that's who God's going to exalt. So, let's go back to Jesus' lesson on prayer. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. And then he tells us why. For, and what Jesus says next, actually explains why we don't need a lot of words when we pray. What Jesus says next actually kind of pulls the rug out from under so many of us who think we have prayer all the way figured out. Uh, And I'm pretty sure he does it on purpose. So the reason that you don't need to go on and on and on is because the Father knows what you need before you ask him. And we say, wait, what? He already knows? Yes, he already knows. The Father knows what you need before you ask him. And our next question is logically, then why do we ask? If God already knows what we need before we ask him, why should I ask? What's the purpose of prayer? Why should I pray? Now, you shouldn't be too surprised that God already knows what you need before you ask him. Because if God is all-knowing, if God is God, then we're not going to be able to inform him of anything. We're not going to be able to explain anything to God. So it should come as no surprise that God already knows what we need before we ask. But it brings up this tension that, that I think Jesus wanted them to wrestle with. And it's a tension that I think he wants us to wrestle with. You know, his disciples come and they say, we want to know how to pray like you pray. Would you teach us to pray? And in his wisdom, Jesus says, okay, first, don't do it this way. If you do it this way, you're doing it wrong. Because now we're faced with the same issue that, that we wrestle with when it comes to prayer. So many times we find ourselves kind of reducing prayer into just informing God of our needs, our wants, and our wishes. And that's our prayer. We just inform God of our needs, our wants, and our wishes. Sometimes the needs and wants and wishes of people we love, but mostly our needs and wants and wishes. And that's all we pray about, which God says, God allows that. In fact, he encourages that. But that sort of becomes our prayer life. I'm just going to inform God of my needs, my wants, and my wishes. But of course, if God already knows... Why should I do that? Why pray? But again, Jesus prayed all the time. In fact, Jesus made it clear he couldn't live without prayer. He couldn't live without a communication and and that God experience that he had while he was here on earth. He taught his disciples to pray all the time. And I think when Jesus gets to this point in this conversation, these people have asked him how to pray, they've got to be thinking, boy, I'm glad somebody asked. Because we obviously haven't got it. We've been missing it. In fact, I'm not even sure we're praying for the right reasons. So yeah, Jesus has their attention. They come and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he, he talks about these things. And he's got their attention. He has them right where he wants them. And I think he has us right where he wants us. Teach us how to pray. And after telling them how not to pray, he looks at them and says, this then is how you should 
pray. Don't do this. Find the right place. Don't do this. This then is how you should pray. You ready? Good. Because we're going to talk about it next week. Next week, we're going to pick up right here. And we're going to look at what Jesus teaches about how we should pray. We're going to talk for the next couple weeks about the most famous, the best prayer ever prayed. We know it is the Lord's Prayer. I want you to come back next week. I want you to tune back in next week, or even show up next week. That'd be great, too. Lots of empty space here. You can socially distance. We're going to talk about that for the next couple weeks. But, you know, there is so much that we could talk about when, you talk, when it comes to prayer. You know, people describe prayer as it's a conversation with God. And other people say, no, it's not quite so much a conversation. It's really an experience with God. You know, you're missing it if it's just a conversation. It's also an experience. And Jesus is going to teach us, no, it's both. It's both. It is a conversation with God, and it is an encounter with God. And if you're missing one of those two things, you're really missing the power of prayer. Jesus is going to explain to us the the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, the struggle for asking his help, all within the reality that we are coming to the presence of God when we bow our heads in prayer. So, like Jesus, we can't live without prayer. Jesus wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you pray, like I pray, God sees you, and God hears you, and God will reward you. Does God answer prayers? Absolutely. But we need to know how to pray, and we need to know what to expect when we pray. Those first century Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. We need to learn to be just as devoted to prayer. Because just like those disciples, we think we've got it figured out, right? I know how to pray. I have prayed all my life. But I want Jesus to teach me how to pray. Because maybe I've been missing some things as well. Got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. Uh, If you're watching online, there is going to be a link where you can get in touch with us. If you have a prayer request that you would like the the body here to be uh, uh, praying about for you, there's a brand new box in the auditorium or in the foyer out here, right to the right as you walk out that is for contribution, but also for prayer requests. We want to make it easy. Sometimes people are kind of intimidated to, to come and ask publicly for prayers. Um, you can do it. There's some, there's some pieces of paper there, some cards. You can fill that out and just drop that in that box. Someone will be praying about your request. Or if you're in the auditorium and you just say, I need to share with my church family what's happened in my life, and I need their prayers. Uh, You can meet us down front, and, and we'll be honored to do that as well. Let's go ahead and be standing while we sing.